Good morning, everyone. I love it. We have a lively congregation this morning. That's great. It is so great to be here with y'all, and happy Father's Day to all of you dads. Um, I have two great parents, and I know we just celebrated Mother's Day, but I have to say I've always just had like just such a different and special bond with my dad, who can't be here today, but um, I know that I don't know, I've always heard that a daughter and a dad have a special connection, and I can testify that that's always been true in my life. And now I'm blessed to have five kids with this dad over here, and there's so many dads out there from all walks of life and all different types of dads, from a dad I met yesterday that just had his first child um, to dads that, you know, have great, great grandkids. So I'm thankful for all of you, and the impact that a dad has on a child and on a young person is unbelievable. The impact, I, I remember studies that I've read and looked at about dads and the impact that they have on their children and their children's walk with the Lord. And that compared to a mom. And it is outstanding and unbelievable at what a more powerful impact the dad has on those children than the mom. So moms, we should keep doing it. And grandmothers, but dads, that is a huge call to realize, and grandfathers who maybe are taking that place of dads um, or uncles, that we are all called to lead young people and children and even your grown children and grandkids to the Lord, and not just by bringing them to church, but by making that relationship all the time, praying with them, um, praying over them with the Holy Spirit on what their life is going to be and what God wants from them. So I just challenge all of you dads at all levels and walks of life to really invest in someone in your life with the, with the Holy Spirit and be there for them because it is way more powerful than you can imagine. And for those that have lost their dads and are here this morning and it's a different kind of day, maybe you lost them this year or maybe it's been years, but that pain is still the same. Um, we love you and we are thankful for the memories that you've had with them and your grandfathers. So I think we have a few announcements if you see anything about youth softball on this, it is wrong because we have had the schedule change probably six times by now, but we are playing Monday and Tuesday. So Monday night at 7 and Tuesday at 6, we're playing at Mount Sinai, um, and then we play, yes, many more. But I think that's about it. If you have not signed up your kids or grandkids for VBS, please, before you leave, get a tablet, sign them up. If you can't do it here, please do it at home. We would love to go ahead and start signing up. It's getting close to time. Um, and I think that's all. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Oh, and I'm sorry. Before we pray, everyone's heads came right back up quickly. I'm a little sometimes. But we had a great time at camp. And we just got back this Friday afternoon. And it was life-changing and amazing and wonderful. And that's the only words I can think of to say because it was wonderful. So July 2nd, we're going to be sharing all about it. And our young people are going to be giving testimonies and telling what they learned. And we have kids and youth that are all going to be doing that together. So please, I know it's a holiday. I know some of y'all are going to be gone. But please come July 2nd if you're able um, and support all these young people that will be here and all that they're sharing from the trip. Because it was life-changing for so, so many of them. Now let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, you are so amazing. The plans that you had for us from the beginning, the perfect plan you laid out in the very beginning. And even though we messed it up, in spite of all our shortcomings and our sins and our failures and, 
and all the times we went away from you, God, you have always been there. You didn't have to make a new plan for us. You just fixed what we messed up. You sent Jesus Christ for us. You sent him, a perfect man, to come and to walk on this earth and to, to teach us what, what we were all missing out on, what the chosen people, what the Israelites were trying so hard to get right, but we missed out on so many things. But Jesus came and, and taught us the way and the truth. And, and then his blood poured out was for us to save us, to give us a chance to have that relationship with him. And God, we still are just like them. We're just like the Israelites and the Pharisees. We make all of these rules that we come up with and all of these traditions and all of these things that, God, we think are right, but they are not from you. So, Lord, I pray right now that our minds are focused on your words alone, not our thoughts and not our opinions, but on your spirit. And let your spirit guide us this morning, Lord, as we listen to the words of these songs and that we listen to the teachings from your word that you have taught us, Lord, through Pastor Russ. And I just pray that, that you, that your spirit in us directs us of what we are to do with that. What, who are we to share it with? Or what are we to do in our homes when we get home? What changes are we to make to bring you glory, God? Do not let us waste another day. We thank you so much for all the fathers, and I pray that they feel so much love from their families and those that, that may not have people around them to do that. I pray that the love from you, Lord, is overwhelming in their lives today, that they sit and they ponder and they pray and meditate on you, your spirit, the power of your spirit, your son, Lord, and you, God. We love you. We adore you. And we pray all of these things, Lord, in your son Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. I pray that you have victory in Jesus. Amen. That you will know when you pass from this life to the next where you will spend eternity. That decision can be made today if you don't know for sure. We want everybody here, everybody watching online, to join us in heaven one day. Right? And, and we want you to today to make that decision, if you've never made it before, to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So that we indeed, like I said, can have victory in Jesus. We're glad that you're here. Happy Father's Day to the dads that are here, to the fathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers, whoever it might be. We're glad that you're here <clears throat> today. Mo asked me last week, said, Russ, what do you want for Father's Day? I can remember getting aggravated with my daddy when I would ask him the same question and he never gave me an answer, you know. Oh, no, you know, just whatever. But he never would answer, and so it was hard to buy. It was hard enough to buy for somebody that didn't really need anything, you know, um, to choose a gift for, for Daddy, you know. Think about, you know, he, he did what he wanted to do, went where he wanted to go, and pretty much had what he wanted to have. And, and so to buy something for him was, was it was hard. It was difficult, but not as hard as it was for Adam. Think about that. <laughs> Think about Adam. He had the perfect dad in every way. And you can think about trying to buy something or get something for God who already has everything. But all kidding aside, my daddy would often say, I don't want anything. I just want y'all to come down. I just want y'all to come down to the farm and cook some hamburgers and just have a good time. You know, it's kind of hard to wrap up a hamburger, isn't it? <laughs> we tried anyway, but you know, the, the older I've gotten, or, or maybe the wiser I've gotten instead of getting old, right? I get what he was trying to say. I understood what he was wanting to tell us. You know, like, like Mark Twain once said, you know, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to be around the old man. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in just seven years. <laughs> For Daddy, he was saying, yeah, the, the presents are nice. Yes, it's tradition to give a, a gift on, on Father's Day, <clears throat> but I just want to spend time with you. I just want to spend time with you. I just want to hang out and, and have fun. I just want to sit and talk a little bit. And oh, just to sit and talk to my dad again. Many of you know what I'm talking about. That would be such a blessing indeed. I'm grateful for the dad that I had, for the influence that he had on my life and the impact that he had in the way he shaped my life. And I know everyone isn't as fortunate as I am to have had a dad like that. If you didn't, today's the day to start being that dad. 
to being that daddy you wanted your dad to be to your children, to your grandchildren. Doesn't matter how old you are, today's the day to start being that dad. Start being that granddad that God wants us to be. I didn't have any problem at all writing this sermon today. And I didn't think it was going to be like this, doggone it. <laughs> Many of you know the story of my dad and, and, and how I worked with him for probably 10 or 12 years. And I'd worked with, with Milliken for a couple of years coming out of school, out of college, and we lived in Johnston for a few years. And... Mo and I had been on a long weekend, gone down to uh, Callaway Gardens, I think, kind of a business pleasure trip to see the Millican plant down there. And we came back, and, and my daddy was sitting in my driveway, and folks, that's not a good sign. You know, when, when you're gone and you come back and your dad's in the driveway, and that used to be a few years earlier, and that, that really had me concerned because I'd probably done something wrong, and he's, you know what I mean. But when you're married and you come home and your dad's there, that's not a good sign. <clears throat> typically, but this, this was a good sign. He came to talk to us about moving back to Gaffney and, and going to work with him and his business and, and running the truck stops and, and getting involved in the business, and, and, and we ultimately did that over the course of the next few months. And so, yes, we, we talked a lot. We talked every day. Of course, most of it was about the business, and some of you know how that is to work with your parents. Um, it's a blessing and a curse sometimes. And, uh, and, but, but most of our talks were, were about business. But we eventually got out of that business and got into some different things. And, and then the Lord changed our lives a lot more after I was called into ministry. But, but for both of us, the Father's Day event was more about the time than the thing. Yes, as, as kids, it's more about the things to the kids. But the older the kids get, the older the kids realize it's more about the time. This morning, I want us to look at a, another example that demonstrates this same focus. In the latter part of uh, Luke chapter 2, we find a young man, Jesus, and he's tending to his father's business. We know that Jesus' earthly father was, was Joseph, of course, and Joseph was a carpenter by trade, and, and so Jesus grew up in the, in the wood shop, or the stone shop, wherever it might have been learning the trade of being a, a carpenter. But we find in, in the last couple of, uh, of verses of, of Luke chapter 2 where he begins right then at the age of 12, began transitioning from a child into being known as the Messiah. We see the first recorded red letter words there in Luke chapter 2 as he uh, makes his first statements as, as a 12-year-old. 
And so he worked in his family business under Joseph until it was time for, for his journey to begin to the cross. And that's kind of where we pick up here in Luke chapter 2, verse 39 and following. Luke chapter 2, verse 39 And so, so when they had performed all these things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And his parents went to Jerusalem every year for the feast of the Passover, and when he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered, behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been with the other company, they went a day's journey and, and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. And so when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. And now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both lifting to and asking them questions. And, and all that heard him were, was astonished at his understanding and his answers. And so when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? But they didn't understand the statement which he spoke to them. And then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. You know, when you first read that story, <laughs> you have to think, what in the world was going on? How in the world, you know, did these parents leave their child behind? It says for three days, right? Now, now granted, it says they traveled a day and they came back a day, so that was two days, and so on the third day is where they found it. But nevertheless, they, they left town without the kid, right? That doesn't make sense, does it? Until you begin to look at that a little bit. <clears throat> And you realize that people of the day traveled in, in large caravans together because of the robbers and the bandits and that sort of thing. And so this was probably the case as they, as they left Jerusalem. The women typically traveled in the front of the caravan. And depending how, on how large it was, you know, it could, be, it could span a, a good distance. And then the men would pick up the rear and they would come in behind. And so, you know, this 12-year-old boy, he was at 12 years old, considered an adult at that time. So he could have been traveling with the mom or the dad, with Mary or Joseph. And most people believe that was the case, if they thought the other person had him. You know, how many times have we, oh, well, did you get this? Well, no, I thought you got that. You know, we, we, we've all been there before. <clears throat> and so they probably just thought the other one had him and he was fine and everything was okay. But of course it says they found him in the temple courts. The temple courts were known as a, as a place of training. It was famous throughout the region for a, a place of learning. 
Uh, it was just a, I guess in today's con context, it might be like the Billy Graham Training Center, okay? <clears throat> but remember, they were in Jerusalem for the Passover, and so the greatest rabbis from the area, from the region, they, they had all come there. They were all gathered in there, so they would have been sharing and, and discussing their thoughts and ideas and, and the truths amongst the groups. And, and so there was Jesus. Don't you imagine he fit in real well right there? And he was probably anxious or, or no doubt in, interested in what they had to say. <clears throat> Can you imagine the look on the rabbi's face when they're sitting there teaching each other and discussing the, you know, the, the, the laws of the, uh, of the religion and, and here this little 12-year-old kid comes up and starts asking these deep theological questions and, and just you know, proclaiming the truths of God. And, and they're like, they're amazed, you're taken aback. It says that everybody was amazed. Every, everybody was astounded at the wisdom of this 12-year-old kid had. In the meantime, Mary and Joseph had hurried back to the temple and it was there that they found this, their little boy. Mary said in verse 48, I love this, why have you done this to us? Uh, done what? I was just at the church. We've all probably been there before, haven't we, as, as parents. We're in fear that something happened to our, to our kid and we frantically start looking and you know, maybe they're hiding under the clothes in a department store or you know, walked with somebody else away like Noah did just a minute ago. You know, he just took off down the, down the hallway there. But Mary had her eye on him. Okay, and he said, I'm going to get some water. I said, but it's time for children's church. But he went on, okay. But Mary had his eye on him. And Caroline's up here like, Daddy, you need to go get my kid, okay. See, she didn't know Mary had an eye on him. But, but haven't we all been there before as parents? Oh my gosh, where, where are they? What's happened to them? And, and, you know, and you're so worried and concerned, and, and then you finally find them, and then, and then what happens? You get mad, don't you? <laughs> where have you been? What have you been doing? <laughs> Why did you leave? But in reality, we're probably mad at ourselves, aren't we, for letting that happen. We're glad you're okay. I feel like that's probably where Mary and Joseph were on this day. They were anxious. They were concerned. It says they went around to all their family. You know, have you seen, have you seen little Jesus? Have you seen him running around anywhere? No, no, no. And you can imagine the fear was welling up in their hearts. Two days and not knowing where he was. That's a little different than running out the side door, isn't it? But listen to Jesus' innocent words here in verse 49. And He said to them, Why did you seek Me? Did you not know that I must be about My Father's business? Again, this is the first incident that we find that Jesus was aware of His Messiahship at 12 years old. And, and, and then this one sentence kind of sums up His entire ministry or His entire mission or purpose 
And that is to complete his father's business. But what was his business? His business was to bring salvation to everybody that chose his son Jesus. His business was to live a perfect and sinless life. His business was to, was to pay the price for all, the, all of our sins. His, his business was to die on the cross for our sin. His business was to defeat, the, to defeat Satan through the resurrection. And he did. And that is why we have victory in Jesus. And then the passage goes on in verse 50 and 51. And it says, Mary and Joseph, or, or, or Mary and Joseph, they didn't understand what he was saying. But nevertheless, it says that, that Jesus got up and went with them out of the temple, left out of the temple, and went with them back to Nazareth. You see, he didn't pitch a fit there on the temple floor, did he? He didn't throw himself down, kicking and hollering and screaming, I want to stay here, I want to, you know, I'm doing good, I'm doing my father's business. Yeah. He doesn't do that, does he? It says he got up and went with his parents. He was still obedient to his mom and to his earthly mom and dad. He didn't reject his earthly parents, even though he knew his heavenly father. Parenting's hard, isn't it? Parenting's hard at times. And we see parent, the parenting struggle here of Mary and Joseph, you know, Jesus' earthly parents, and he was perfect, okay? My kids and your kids ain't perfect. <laughs> what about you? Is your, is your house full of young people? Are you praying over teenagers? Are you semi-empty nesters with kids in college? Are you like me and Mo and have grown children? Maybe you have grandchildren or great-grandchildren. Well, being a parent isn't just for 18 years either. We find that out too, don't we? It's for a hundred years, or it's for a lifetime, isn't it? You never stop being a parent. Folks, the influence you can have on your children is passed down from generation to generation. I had a young man call me. It's probably been a month or so ago, and and he said, Russ, he said, how do I break the cycle of unbelief in my family? He said, my, my dad, my granddaddy, my, my brothers, my sisters, everybody is not living for the Lord, but I want to. And he said, I don't want my kids to go on living outside of God. What can I do? How do I change that cycle of unbelief? Folks, there's never a day too late. It's never too late to begin changing that cycle. It doesn't matter if you're a teenager or a grandpa. You can begin today changing that cycle in your family and your, your, your generations to come by living for the Lord today. <clears throat> it's never, never too late to start laying that foundation for the generations to come. Letting your, letting your children grow up is, is hard, isn't it? 
letting them go uh, and become their own person is, is difficult for sure, but, but God gives us children and, and He gives them to us for a while to train up and then to let go. Some of you are experiencing that now as your kids are graduating college or high school. Let me ask you this, have you been or are you being a godly example, the godly example that, that God wants us to be? Maybe you're saying, Russ, I don't have any kids. You can be a dad, you can be an influence, you can be an example for your, for your nieces and nephews. You can testify to the Word of God for your nieces and nephews, for your neighbors, for people around you. Because they're going to see that example in you and in you as a parent. They're going to hear your words. They're going to see how you live your life. In Genesis chapter 6 and 7, we see that, that Shem and Ham and Japheth, they all had a choice whether to follow along in their father's business. You remember who their father was? That's right, it was Noah. In the days of Noah, God said, it was a wicked and evil time. It was full of violence and everyone was filled with corruption. In Genesis chapter 6 verse 5, it says, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of men was great in the earth, and that every intent, listen to that, every intent of the thoughts of his heart, was only evil all the time. All the time. You see, that was the norm of the day. Everyone was doing whatever they wanted to do, whatever they wanted to do. And so nobody would have thought any different if, if Shem and Ham and Japheth had been three unruly, wildy kids. And so why weren't they? They had a choice. And you see today, everybody today has a choice whether to live for God or to live for the world. To follow God or to follow the world. To pursue heaven or to pursue hell. And if you don't choose Jesus, you don't choose heaven, you choose Satan and you choose hell. The choice is always ours. But I would say that they didn't choose the world because of the influence of their dad, Noah. Look in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8 and 9. <coughs> it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. That Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, it says, Noah walked with God. Let me ask you, how's your walk with God? You see, Noah was about his father's business, his heavenly father's business. And his sons chose to, to go after and to follow after Noah and his business in building the ark and being obedient to God for, for over a hundred years, bringing about the ark and and, and, and the redemption of humanity. And so fathers and parents, never underestimate your influence or your impact 
that you have on your children, your grandchildren, your, your nieces, your nephews, your friends, your family, whoever, or, or anybody else for that matter. Adult or child. <coughs> Noah's influence on his sons is the reason we're here today. His sons were obedient to, 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 the, to the teachings and, and assisting their, their father with the call of God that the call, that the call God had, had placed on Noah's heart. Are we having that godly influence and impact on our children? Grandparents? Parents? Young adults, have you, decided, have you decided today to change the course of your genealogy that will be one for following after Christ? I ran across a post that described the, the characteristics of a great man, but let's change that to a great person. And every characteristic here is rooted in, in God's Word. The characteristics of a great person is Honesty. Telling the truth even when it hurts. Integrity. Living your values. Because you never know when somebody's watching. Responsibility. Responsibility means sacrifice, but it also means to deliver on the commitments that you've made. Discipline. Controlling your actions and emotions. Strength, and that means to, to shoulder the blame and carry the burdens of the weak. To have confidence in your belief, to stand firm in your faith. Don't be dissuaded by the critics. Respect and honor your leaders. Growth, grow yourselves and learn from your mistakes. Courage, face anxiety with, with purpose. Gratitude, count your blessings. Generosity. Give with an open hand. Mercy. Look through the eyes of others. And kindness. Take time to praise other people. You know, the world today is, a mu is much like it was in the days of Noah. It's calling for everyone to, to do whatever they want to do. To disregard the Bible. You see, we want to we take our life and make the Bible fit our life. So here's what the Bible says, but I don't care what the Bible says. I want to pick this verse and make it fit my life. And God doesn't play that game. God says it's my word, and that's the end of discussion. You live by my word and not by your desires. So our world is calling us to, to, to make ourselves happy and do what we want to do. But our Heavenly Father is calling us to a way of righteousness. You see, folks, the, the way of, of the world leads to destruction, but the way of the Lord leads to, leads to everlasting life. And you think about these stories this morning. Noah was a godly man who was doing his Heavenly Father's business. And that led to the continuation of all humanity. Jesus was God in human form going out 
about his father's business. And that business led him to the cross. But that business also led to our eternal life. Praise God. So let me ask you this morning, whose business are you doing? Whose business are, are you working? Have you, get, have you gotten caught, caught up in, in consuming and doing your own thing, you're chasing after your own desires and interests, or are you going about doing the Father's business? Are you worried about your business, or are you concerned about kingdom business? And today we have a choice as to what we're going to choose. Our business or God's business. And that choice is yours. Our hymn of invitation this morning is come to the altar. That's our invitation printed in a bulletin. That's my invitation to you, but that's God's invitation to you to come this morning to the altar. Dads, if you're here, I want to challenge you to bring your family to the altar and pray with them. Surrendering your life to the Lord. Maybe there's not a dad in the family. Moms, I would say bring your family to the altar. Maybe you're here today and, and neither your mom or your dad are here. Maybe today you want to come to the altar and say, God, I'm going to change the spiritual direction of my family for generations to come by surrendering to you in all my ways and being the person that you created me to be, that you wanted me to be. What will you choose today? Your way or God's way? Your business or the Father's business? You make that choice today. Heavenly Father, you are that good, good Father. Good in all ways, in everything, all the time. You are the essence of goodness. And Father, we thank You for the victory that we have in Your Son, Jesus. And because we do have that victory, God, because we do have that hope of eternal life, God, today may we choose Your business over our ways. And God, we surrender our time to You this morning that you might change our lives. We might be pleasing to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Oh